You're listening to the BNI Genesis podcast exclusively on the Pod Station. Hi everyone to the inaugural BNI Genesis podcast. My name is Mark Pollard, I'm the chapter president. This week with me is Dave Forrest, our mortgage advisor from Myriad Mortgages. Hi Dave. Hello Mark, you alright? I'm not too bad. Good. As it's the first one, I guess we should probably explain what on earth it is we're actually proposing <laughs> doing here. Um, because we have we, we are all part and parcel of a networking organisation, we meet every Friday at Trammy Rovers Football Ground uh, where we tell each other about our businesses and we ultimately aim to try and pass business between one another. Um, because there are 20 plus businesses in that room, all with different specialties, we actually thought it would be a great opportunity for us to spotlight each business every show, let them tell us a bit more about what they do and give people some freebie, I know that word, freebie, (laughs) advice that you can take away that hopefully will be useful to you either personally or in your business world. Um, This week we're obviously going to be chatting with Dave. I'm honoured, the first one. I should prefix this with the fact that uh, Dave was asked to provide some sort of a script Felt he wanted to go disc jockey freestyle, <laughs> so we're winging it a little winging, bit. It's the best way. It's the best way. So um, hopefully Dave will be a lot more professional than I will be <laughs> winging it, but we'll, we'll be fine. Hopefully, because it's the first one, you'll give us a bit of breathing space. Yeah. So I, I tell you what, over to the floor to you. Why right. don't you tell us about what it is you do? Right. So, in a nutshell, I'm a mortgage broker. You know, that's what I'm badged as in in BNI. I'm a mortgage broker, but we do a lot more than that. Um, I, I see it, it's about people. That's what my business is about. Um, I acquire clients and customers. Um, I always say, until you really look after someone properly, they don't become a client. You can't call them a client. Everyone says, oh, I've got clients. You have customers that will buy things. They'll knock on your door and buy something. So my business is built on people and looking after them. And the more I look after them, the more referrals I get. That's, that's my passion really, and always has been throughout whatever job I've done. I've never done anything where I've not gone into it 100% and really live it, to be honest. Um, and I've done this business for 10 years now. So you do start to get a hell of a lot of clients. Um, and the real sort of passion for me is just looking after people and families, and we're dealing with finance at the end of the day. This is something that no one learns in school. No, you know, you, you leave school at whatever, 16, 18 or whenever you leave school, you meet someone, you've got your job and then one Saturday afternoon you go, should we buy a house? And, you know, you decide, right, okay, well, where should we go? Oh, let's go down the local estate agent and then and we'll, we'll have a look for a house. Not having seen anyone or talked to anyone about the finance side of things. And I think in this country we are type of people who like to bury our heads when it comes to finance. It doesn't, it doesn't flow with people um, when it should. So there's possibly... Some are there where it, you know, um, whether in school or something, that, that should be brought up. And I know it is a little bit, but it doesn't really go deep. And then what that does, that leaves you open to all sorts of people getting hold of you and telling you stuff. So my real passion is trying to get, get to people uh, as early as I can um, in that process. Now, normally I'd say, I'll play dumb yeah. and talk to me as though I don't know what it is. Fortunately, I don't have to pretend too hard. <laughs> when you say mortgage broker, yeah. what's the difference between what, you say, you do and, say, if I needed a mortgage, yeah. just walking into the bank with whom I've already got yeah. a bank account? What, what's the difference? Yeah. So, I mean, I think a lot of people, their first sort of thought is, oh, yeah, we'll go down the bank. Because you, you, you very rarely change your bank. I think more younger people do now, but certainly people of, of my age would probably have been in the bank 20, 30 years. That's where you'll go for everything. Um, so, yeah, as a mortgage broker, um, you can look right across the market. You know, you can look at all those banks and others. Um, I mean, it's funny enough, I, I mentioned today at BNI about... Um, the way things like Google are going and Amazon, you know, in in future they're going to offer mortgages. There's no doubt about it because you know you can go on the internet and find a mortgage, whether it's the right one or not, doesn't really matter. It's a rate. Um, but what you'll find with a lot of the banks, the you know they haven't got the facilities now to offer advice, or or if they do, there's not there's not many people, many advisors working within a bank. Um, so they're not, and, and also if you go down your local bank, you're getting one view of the world, you're getting their view, which is whatever bank you choose. 
they get their viewer when you choose someone so, so for the mortgage in specifically you know you're getting a view about yourself so I'm I'm knowing my client I need to know my client what are your aspirations what's your future what's it going to look like and then we can design that bespoke sort of solution from whatever provider it is it may well be the bank that you've just gone to however the way um, mortgages in particular work out lenders need to lend money so they'll do that one in two ways they'll either do it direct through their own operation that'll be again in the branch um, or maybe through a head office telephone operation now for them that just won't provide enough that they need um, and there's a couple of reasons for that one they can only open between generally nine to five and two they can't get off the backside and go and sit in someone's house on a Saturday or Sunday or 10 o'clock at they're night not paid to they're, do they're not paid to do that so again that comes down to the passion really is why you do this stuff you know the other way lenders can get get lending away is to use an intermediary so a broker someone like me who they can pay um, for really just the time that I'm dealing with them so you know they're not going to pay for the electric and all stuff like that they're paying me a fee to use their facilities and that those two sides of that business are totally separate so you've got the direct lending side and you've got the intermediary side now this is really just to explain a little bit of you know why a lender would use an intermediary um, if you look at the sort of the split you might be surprised to know that about 90% of lenders all lenders business now comes from the intermediaries so only sort of like 10-15% comes from their direct operation so just to get that right banks end up using you yeah. so coming to you direct actually that, yeah. just skips a process and well there's a couple of things yeah it could cost a little bit although they've got to pay it so there's probably a bit of a playoff there no, but by coming to you, you've got access to the whole market, whole market which would yeah. include the bank that they yeah. go to anyway. Everybody. And the irony is that if they went to the bank first, they might not be aware of or made aware of all those policies, no. but they'd still be using they'd you be potentially using, yeah. anyway. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, the lenders are happy. Probably 10, 15 years ago, there was a bill from them, right, we'll cut all these brokers out and we'll do it ourselves. But they just haven't got the people. They haven't got the facilities. And then it comes down to advice. So uh, if you're lending on, on mortgages, you need to give advice. And the, the regulator a few years ago put something in place whereby you, it has to be advice. You know, the days of, well, I want that mortgage and, uh, you know, I think I should have it are pretty much gone. A, a, a client can't make that decision. Um, although the regulator does say certain people can do that. But So, again, another thing for the lender, when they come to someone like me, I give advice and I take that on my back. You know, the lender's not responsible for that advice. I am, even though I'm using their product. So it, it, for a lender, it has loads of benefits. benefits, good connotations and stuff like that. So now what you'll find again over the last sort of 10 years, things have changed whereby a lot of the lenders' rates in branch were slightly better than they were on the intermediary market. That's changed. It's now better on the intermediary market than the, the lender, or as good as. So they've stopped sort of dual pricing, really. And they'll give us as good deals, but maybe some little incentives that you can't get in the bank. So you can see where it's going. Um, and as I said before, mentioned about other sort of strange type of lenders, maybe your Tesco's of this world, your Sainsbury's who are lending. Um, but certainly, like the Google or Amazon offering mortgages, which I'm sure will come because it's a commodity that they can sell. They're really only going to look at, I call them Mr. and Mrs. Jones, both, both employed for a long time looking to remortgage their house with a massive deposit. You know, we've got 2.2 kids and a dog called Ben. That, that's really what they want. You know, it's going to be simple. It'll go through so quickly. With all the way technology's going, all lenders can see what you're earning anyway. And it's going to be probably a rather impersonal process yeah, as well. Yeah, it's just, I want that. Filling yeah, information on the system but and if, field. Yeah. But if you're a self-employed mortgage broker looking to borrow extra to do an extension stuff like that strange stuff they're not going to be able to do because it, it, it can't give advice so so really the, the days of well you can call it specialist lending but i pretty much think there's not much not specialist lending out there because people's lives are so different now you know there's so many self-employed people it's all about advice and knowing your client and that comes on to the sort of like the, the knowing your client services and and you know the offering you give is so much more than just writing a mortgage 
Mm. You know, um, I've always said if you're just a mortgage broker who sat there writing mortgages, you could sort of set up Argos for mortgages, where one person comes in, yeah, there's your mortgage, there's your mortgage, and that's what that's what Amazon will do. Um, but we offer so much more, and really, for me, certainly for first-time buyers, which is I, th- I think probably a little bit of my passion, big passion, really, because um, I learnt working with a couple of estate agents over the years, sort of quite big estate agents that. There's a massive client bank there that need looking after because once they go into an estate agent and they start down the process of buying a house, which is an emotional process, this thing, again, Saturday afternoon, you decide you're going to buy one, you go in and do a viewing, you live in there already, mm. you haven't bought it, but you you are living there, you go home and you're thinking about it, and we've all done it, I do it myself, you know, so you're again then open to any sort anything to get you in that house. So... When I'd worked in a couple of estate agents, it was a case of, yeah, I would get those referrals and get to speak, speak, speak to that client. Um, I'd shut the door and say, right, you know, I don't work for these. I am your advisor. So let's really start to talk about how we're going to buy this house or whatever house you want to do. I think if we could, we'd have, you know, before you viewed a house or, you, you know, it'd be nice if there's something in place where you had to actually sit down with a financial advisor first and go through some of the things you're going to have to do. Because... In the house buying process, there's no regulation about what you've got to be told or haven't got to be told. In my world, it's different. Um, and I learned quite quickly that it's not just about the finances. You know, we've got to get to these people, sit down with them and really tell them everything that, that, that that's going to happen to them. Um, because again, it's an emotional process. So you're open to stuff. You, you don't know what you're doing. We're not, we haven't taught them at 16 how you buy a house. So... And I've got to say, that's my biggest passion is making sure people are not told the wrong thing or ripped off. I want them to be going into this with their eyes wide open. So before we even talk about whether they can get a mortgage, I'm talking about what's going to happen to you along the way. And, you know, when you see a client, they've seen a house, they want to buy it. There's probably three things they want to know. Can I get it? How much is it going to cost me? And when I'm moving in, those three things. But... In finance, there's so much regulation. We've got to explain a lot more than that. But really, you've got to satisfy those needs for people. So, um, again, sort of over the last 10 years, really home that sort of process of how do I speak to these people? Um, I mean, I think the thought of booking an appointment with a mortgage advisor or financial advisor, it's probably pretty terrifying for a young couple. You know, I think if they think they're going to, book it and you're going to go along and see them or they're going to come in to see you I, I, I sort of thought well yeah they're going to probably think yeah he's probably around about 50 which yeah I am uh, but you know he's a going young to, looking 50 oh yeah yeah well you know it's a hard life in it but um, it, it's that he's going to have a pinstripe suit on you know I think the fear is that you'll get rejected or judged yeah, by the person that you're just trying say to no. get some advice so like, I really want to buy this house and when you get to the nuts and bolts of it it's it's potentially the embarrassment of not being able to afford it yeah. it's having someone you don't really necessarily know rifling through your, your yeah, underwear drawer yeah, to, to yeah. find out everything yeah can I imagine so many people just go I'll just go on the internet and get it then you know because I don't want to go and see because he's, he's going to say no isn't he we make down the pub said I'll never get a mortgage I'm self-employed there's so as we are as in life whatever you do there's always someone who knows how to do it better who isn't an advisor so you're coming in with all those sort of preconceptions about what's going to happen. And I, I, I thought quite quickly, I'm going to do this a little bit different. I'm not always going to wear the blue suit and the, you know, the red tie. And Just I'm, for the record, he's not wearing no, a suit at all. No. You are wearing clothes, thankfully. Yes, thankfully. Yeah. No I've suit. never been naked yet to an appointment. <laughs> no, that, that won't go down well. But no, so, but what I will do, I'll sort of try and gauge with a certain client. You know, I don't just do the same thing all the time. And while you're doing all the regulatory stuff for me, you've, you, you really, and, and it's sales at the end of the day, you're selling yourself, you're selling your services. So it's always been, you've got to, people like people who are like people, you know, you like to sit across the desk from someone who, so I tried to do it a bit different. Just to ask a couple of specific questions then, relatively recently, the rules changed after the banking crisis yeah. about lending. Yes. 
your responsibilities or the responsibilities of people who were entering into these financial arrangements, yeah. who was advising on them, yeah. etc. What are the kind of things that people need to bear in mind, either if they're looking to do it relatively soon mm-hmm. or if it's something that they want to schedule at some point in the future? I would say the first thing you do is give us a call and you book an appointment. It doesn't actually matter when you're going to be doing this thing, you know. Um, I'll sit down with anyone and give them some advice. It doesn't matter when you're going to do it. Book an appointment with a mortgage broker. People always want the word independent. We're not independent because to be totally independent, you'd have to reuse every bank in the world, but a whole of market sort of broker, that's what we are. You know, we've got a panel of lenders, but it's it's everyone you can think of and a load of others. Um, I think one of the peop- one of the champions of mortgage brokers has been Martin Lewis recently. He's started to say, you know, Get a, get a point with a whole market broker and go and have a look at it. You might still want to go direct, but you know, like you said, regulations have changed. You know, advisors went from something like thirty thousand before the crash down to ten, fifteen thousand, twelve thousand, whatever it is now. And obviously, you know, we're a profession. We're, we're we've always been seen as possibly not the the best profession, but we are professionals. We're like a solicitor. You, you, if you go and book to see a solicitor, you know what to expect because the regulations there and it's the same in the mortgage world you right. come and see us but as early as you can because what we can start to do is get your ducks in a row if you are self-employed what do we need to look like you know where's best advice and that's where you know we will really give you some advice from the start it's not just ready to buy let's do it and yeah you get those every day but as early as you can book an appointment you go through the people's bank statements obviously yes. to check affordability and the like is there anything they could be doing to better prepare themselves anything they need not to have on there whether there's something they should have on there is there extra steps they could be taking to monitor to see how they're getting towards yeah, i mean i would always say for, to anyone is get hold of your credit file as early as you can again we don't like looking at it you know we've all done it don't want to look at it because what does it look like it there's lenders for every situation but I would say, yeah, get you pretty much now. We ask everybody for the credit file. Let's have a look over it. You know, we're, we're there to look after you. Yeah, get that. Start looking at it. So there's little tweaks you can make. So that might be if you are first time buying, you've got no credit. You might just need to get a little bit of credit, but pay it off. We're not we're not there to get you into credit, but you know that can improve your credit score. But again, you know, oh, my credit score is not good. I'm not going to get a mortgage. That's not the case. There's lenders out there who don't actually credit check. They just look over it. You know, there's lenders out there who'll take something that's been in the background, or there's loads of things. But the best thing is, is book an appointment again. You know, if you think you've got an issue, book it with us. We're not going to charge you anything to have a sit down. And you know, let's have a look at it from day one again. Credit, credit check, bank accounts. A lot of lenders don't ask for the bank statements. The only reason why they ask for bank statements is really for proof of income. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, everything we do has got fraud in the background. You know, the amount of fraud that goes on in mortgage lending, you would not believe. Um, and we we have to put things in place and so the lenders to stop that happening. So that is where we have got to ask for bank statements, just to make sure salaries going in. And a lot of the time, I'm asking for a lot of information, but lenders don't ask for that. Because again, we're now getting in a world where, you know, if you're earning 25,000, the lender knows what to expect coming in your bank account. They can see that internally, and it, the computer will match it up. Um, that's the way the lending is going. But I'm still always going to have to ask for the same stuff because, yeah, and we and like you say, affordability. It's important that you you challenge people. You know, you're spending this on that. And you get the mortgage, is that going to change? You know, because again, it's about education to people rather than just, just writing a mortgage. It's helping them because hopefully this client's going to be with us 25, 30 years and we'll get the mortgage paid off. So it's not just looking at today, but it's just about advice, really. Okay. okay. Now, there's no escaping the B word, which is oh, Brexit. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't matter where you go, no. it's no. lurking somewhere. Yeah. Obviously, the economy and how well that's doing yeah. um, is yeah. affected by those sorts of things, the property world yeah. particularly. Where is the property market at at the moment? Um, I, I would say this is a strange year. Um, I wouldn't particularly, it's not, not a bad year. It, you know, we, we're, we're really busy and if you've got your existing clients, you've always got mortgages to look at and different things that we do, which we'll, we'll sort of come on to. Um, the B word, I've never been a believer that things you try not let things affect you too much 
but I do think this year it's having an effect. It, it's starting, there's a lack of property on the market, and I think that's down to Brexit. That now has a different effect. It pushes prices up. It then puts those buyers in a position where they're vulnerable again to advice because there's 10 people going after a property. So that pushes prices up. Certain areas of the northwest, you know, property will be on the market, it'll go for 20 grand over the asking price. Probably isn't right, but that's what they've got to pay to get it. So already they're in negative sort of equity or whatever. Um, is the house worth that? It's not particularly affecting house prices, but certainly it's affecting the number of houses on the market. So I think if we weren't in this Brexit year, I think we, you know, we'd probably be stressed out with the amount of business we're doing because people want to move. You know, new build continues to be done and built. You know, they're building like nobody's business. There's help to buy to help you on the ladder and stuff like that. So. You know, in another year, yeah, it probably would be exceptional. Um, but there's just people just stall when there's in uncertainty. And you know, if your boss says, "Oh, we're just not going to do that project this this year until we know what's happening," you're going to go home and go, "You know what? We may just not put our house on the market till next year." And that's happening. Um, but you know what? Lending has never been so cheap. You know, you can get a five-year fixed rate for two percent. I mean, it's crazy. Well, there's no interest rates at the minute. Interest rates are just so low. Um, lenders want to lend. There's no no lack of money. Um, and actually, this last two weeks has been a bit of a price war. Rates are going down because Bank of England have said, look, looks like no deal Brexit or or certainly a harsh Brexit. Um, you know, we're going to have to bring interest rates down. So America's talking about interest rates coming down. Last year, they were talking about them going up. It's just total uncertainty, and that has an effect on the market. That's nicely led me on to the next question, mm. which was going to be, uh, if you're not necessarily in the position to do it now, but maybe in the next 6 to 12 months, yeah. if people genuinely knew the answer to this question, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a whole lot of people yeah. who'd be better off. But... Um, how do you foresee the market moving? Because yeah. obviously Brexit will, or what happens yeah. on the 31st of October, will have an impact one way or another. Yeah. Um, now, I have to say, professionally, I don't know. And I haven't got a crystal ball. But personally, and really, if you were looking to predict, I would say interest rates will not go up for a long time. Um, when we look at finance and a mortgage and affordability, now, in my lifetime in this industry, sort of 26 years, rates have been as high as 9% and as low as 0.5%, the, the latter being more at 0.75 at the moment. Um, so that's just a massive shift. And during the crash, something had to be done to keep the economy going. It was that bad. Um, and that was to, to force interest rates as low as you could. But if you, are, if you were a first-time buyer eight years ago, you've only known... 0.25, 0.75 and when we quote on a mortgage now people's expectations because house prices have risen and you ask someone what the budget is and it's 700 pound and you go and quote it that's what the mortgage is because they know what they can afford now if you think we're getting a five-year fixed at two percent say or anything between two and two and a half and that mortgage payment's coming up 700 quid which is the budget if we say things are going to go back to where they were 11 years ago at 6% it just doesn't work we would all be out of our houses mass repossessions um, but we also live in a different society now is that a risk though because yes. part and parcel of the, the, the credit crunch yep. was because people yep. had overextended themselves yep. is that still yeah. a I mean, legitimate we're not, we're not particularly overextending ourselves we're, we're about we're a bit low, lower on lending where we were because of the rules that were brought in on affordability I mean Pre, pre sort of crash and the F, FCA, FSA as it was, um, getting old of it, you know, it was six times your income, happy days, away you go. Not look at your bank statements and all stuff like that. Um, and then the review was done after the crash and, and yeah, it was brought more affordability based. So how many kids have you got? Where do you live? What's your demographic? You know, where what where you live, Northwest is a bit cheaper than that, that type of thing. Which for sort of like 2010, 11, 12 really restricted things from lenders. Now, lenders aren't going to put up with that for much. They've got to put up with it, but they'll find ways to tweak that. And since then, obviously things have moved on. And yeah, lenders, we don't talk in terms of multiples, but it's a vast array of what lenders will do across the board. You know, one will take 
tax credits and another won't. One will take child benefit, another won't. One will take child benefit if the kids are under 15. One, There's just so much. And again, this is the world where you're going along to your bank and I can lend that. And then you come to someone like me and, well, we can lend that. And then there's a lot of other... I mean, you know, you look in the new build um, and the government have, you know, um, helped to buy. So you can apply to the government for a 20% deposit on a new build property with no interest payments for five years. So it's a free loan for five years and then you start to pay a, a sort of nominal interest rate or you can raise the money and pay it off and own the whole property, which is great. What a fantastic system. You know, people can afford houses, but it benefits possibly the builders more than it does the, um, you know, the borrower. Um, it's a strange thing because obviously, you know, just after the crash, yeah, or just before the crash, you can lend six, seven times income, whatever it was, maybe 10 times income, pull it all back and do it affordability based. But then later down the line, government bring give you a 20% loan and you can afford a 250 grand house when in reality, under the new regime, you can only afford 150 grand house. So you can see there's ways of doing it, isn't there? Mm. And I'm not saying it's not a good scheme, it is because it gets people in houses and certainly it's good for our business. Um, but again, you know who's explaining this stuff to clients it's down to us we we have to do it although there's no you know there's no government thing that says someone's got to be sat down and talk through it you fill a form in and get the loan you know if it's affordable to all the system so yeah, it's a minefield really for clients but this is again why people need to sit down anybody just sit down and talk about it and as you say as early as you can if you're buying in the next six months 12 months sit down with someone first and do that bit first and start to get an understanding of how it works. Now, that's mortgages. Yeah. But that's not all you do, no. is it? You're a man of many oh. skills and talents. Yeah. Um, the other side of your business is protection. Protection. Yeah. So protection, when we talk about protection, I'm not I'm not sort of like bouncer. <laughs> it's always that word, protection, and people look at you going, so life insurance, critical illness cover, um, income protection. You know, there's so many great products out there. And again, you know, go on the internet or you know deal with someone online they might do you a bit of life insurance but there's so many products out there and really again it's designing bespoke solutions for people and really getting into what's your you know one person might be really worried about if look if i if i pass away i want to make sure my wife and kids the home home's paid for and they've got a big chunk of money in the bank one person another person might be more interested you know, look, if I can't work due to illness, I want to make sure I've got an income coming in. Everybody's different, and this is a thing. It's got to be we're really drill into clients. But again, the thing is about that stuff is no one will knock on your door and ask for it. We're not we're not a society that does that, you know. And, uh, and I've talked about this a little bit in BNI. You know, we have the NHS to back us up. That's the default. You know, if anything happens to me, I'm all right. I can go down to the doctors or the hospital. In America, they don't. And they will, they were more likely to buy life insurance and things like that, and talk about actually having it and how much I'm worth when I'm dead, which is strange. Because it's a pretty grim topic. It's isn't horrible. It? It's it's a horrible, horrible. When topic. you might die or yeah. when you might not be yeah. able to look after yeah. yourself. You know, you're sitting in front of a client, and you're saying, "Oh, we're going to do this great thing." That you've seen the house; it's wonderful. Yeah, you just imagine you're going to be living there. Your telly's in the corner and all that. And the dogs running. It's brilliant. Now, I just want to pull you back a bit. You know, when you die. <laughs> What are you going to do? It's you know it's, before it's, before you plant those rhododendrons. Yeah, yeah, just let's talk about dying. Um, I think it it's it is such a we battle with it all the time. And, and as mortgage brokers, obviously, I meet with a lot of mortgage brokers. Um, some people go down the route of for every pound that I lend and debt I put you in, I will make sure it's protected, and that's probably the way it needs to go. The the, the gap between lending and protection is trillions of pounds trillions of pounds we're given the figures all the time but quite honestly if you look at the stats and these providers all the big providers and again similar to as a a broker as a a, you know we have a panel of providers so there'll be big people you'd think of aviva you know vitality they come up with just some amazing products but what they do give to us is the stats of what they pay out and it's mind-blowing it's mind-blowing the amount they're paying out on criticalness every day and we we obviously have to 
we have to talk to clients about this and say we have to we don't have to actually you know I could just do mortgages I could just sit there write mortgages all day and not talk to people about protection but that's not the way to do it and um, so what we try and do is position it in a way that this is what I do from the start you know tell them what I do yeah I, I can give you a debt but also I will at some point be talking to you about this horrible stuff that can happen to you and try and tell them some stories of clients because in 10 years as a as a broker I've got clients big client bank us as a business I've got a big client bank um, the stats start to happen and um, you know I talked about it last week is that oh shit moment when a client rings you and says David you know, I know you sort of the mortgage out I've just got something to tell you and it's not nice and that is your oh shit moment as a broker we do talk about it in the industry because um, what, what have you done your first thought what have I done what did I do for them or what didn't I do for them or did they say no because I didn't go that little bit further you know it was 30 quid a month and they said well no but the, the, the issue is is and the way we have to position it to clients is before they've got the mortgage agreed they want to buy this house the mortgage isn't agreed but we said we're looking at it if you say to them right we need some budget for some protection they'll give you a budget They'll, they'll give you a budget no problem because they need you as soon as that mortgage offer is approved and they're on the way if you go back and say no I want to talk to you about life insurance they'll go oh well we'll, we'll do that we'll do that later when we're in then so you've really got to position it in a way that and I wouldn't say I'm 100% successful I'm not but we have to constantly try to you know position that in a way that, that they're going to really think and the regulator doesn't, doesn't like the the thoughts of what we call disturbing clients, which was an old way of doing it, is really like saying, you know, come on, what are you? But whatever you want to call it, not disturbance, but whatever word you want to use, you've got to sometimes sit with a client and say, so he won't pay £30 a month for your, your life insurance, you and your kids, you know, or some critical illness cover, or whatever it is. You know, you need to have a word with him. And there's loads of ways you can do that. But, you, you know, you, you want to be nice and light, but, you know... Now we're making the assumption that people know what that is. Yeah. Uh, life insurance is relatively self-explanatory, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it'll pay out an amount um, if you die, or you're terminally ill. It's going to kill you within a year. If you're diagnosed from it, there'll be a, there'll be a, it'll be written into the policy that will pay out straight away. And who does that go to, or who does that pay to? That pays to the client. Yeah, everything pays to the client now. No, no more. So you, you've got sort of like mortgage. Um, insurance that will pay the mortgage off for any time whatever type of mortgage you've got um in the old days they were it was really strange because in the old sort of days talking about the old days um Obviously 20, five years ago 25 30 years ago you had to have some life insurance which is actually assigned to the lender the lender i worked for had a massive bunker with all the deeds and all the policies in there that was not sustainable because you know lenders have got to pay for that and it's all got to be locked away and stuff like that like a nuclear bunker um so that was sort of stripped away and and there's no requirement to have anything the only thing you need to have to buy a house is buildings insurance mm. if the house falls down the lender gets the money back that's the only requirement um so that you don't have to have anything but yet life insurance will pay out a lump sum it might be um equal in the mortgage at that time or it could be a lump sum to provide for family and then there's another product there called family income benefit which is really good so that will pay on death that will pay a an amount each month for a term so that could be quite good for a for a wife you know let's get the mortgage paid off if you die but then the remaining say wife wife or husband remaining with the kids there's two thousand pound a month coming in as well because it's all right i always remember an old life insurance person telling me that about a, a case where he was uh in them days you know someone died you actually delivered the check as the broker you got the check through and you delivered it i always remember a story he went out and he went out with his boss and um, he was delivering a cheque to a lady and the kids. So I went round of evening, here's the cheque, you know, to sort of pay your mortgage off. Well, thanks very much. And when they come out, the boss said to him, oh, that was a great job that, you did really well. He said, I didn't because I've left her in the house, but she's got nothing else. You've got two kids, she's going to have to work. So, you know, you've really got to, you're designing this bespoke thing around the client, really. So that's life insurance, pays out a lump sum on death. And that, uh, presumably that ties in quite nicely with, the likes of solicitors who do wills and lasting yeah. powers of attorney yeah. because 
when you said initially the payment goes to the person. Yeah. Obviously, if you're talking life cause of terminal illness, death, yeah. they're not going to be around to be able to distribute nope. that money. Make so sure it goes, yeah. One assumes you probably pass quite a lot of work to will writers, yeah. solicitors who do that, that sort of All arena. that type of stuff, yeah. So they're, they're probably quite useful people to w- work Wills, with. yeah. yeah we, we will recommend that they see someone about a will, yeah. Um, we'll also write life policies in trust, which a lot of people don't do. So that just means that the money goes to the person it's supposed to go to, um, and and yeah, yeah, will write it. Will's important for anyone with any assets, property, and stuff like that. just tie these things up. Um, so yeah, we, we're always looking for that. Solicitors, we're always passing work to solicitors. Well, obviously, you've got a great solicitor in our chapter that we pass work to um, for the conveyancing, because again, part of the whole process is you deal with the whole thing. You know, so it's really saying, you know, we, we've got experience with this solicitor. They're going to be good. They're not, you know, they're not the cheapest on the market, but they're not the dearest. They charge you a fair price, but the communication and, and all this stuff, communication is the key mm. to everything, really. Okay. You've got life insurance, yeah. self-explanatory. Critical illness, probably a lesser understood. Lesser understood, probably product. lesser sort of signed up for or sold, whichever you want to call it, because, yeah, people think it's complicated. They can be very complicated a little bit because we went through a period where the providers were um, sort of competing on how many illnesses they could pay out on. When if you look at the actual illnesses that are paid out on, it's probably, you know, generally the top four. Cancer, heart attack, stroke, MS, something like that, dementia, those type of things. But they went through a period of adding like up to 50, 60, 70 illnesses, loss of an eyeball or, you know, which, you know, statistics say they're probably never going to pay out on that. But they wanted to say, oh, well, we'll do 70 and they'll only do 68. So which one are you going to choose? Well, you just need so So over the last few years and then they can't really compete on price too much because, the, it, you know, price has been driven down like as in anything, really. Um, they're now on a bit of a switch now where they're now talking about sort of extra benefits that you can get that people don't know about um so that they've sort of like started to more concentrate on what they'll pay out on so if you take a something like a stroke or a heart attack so a heart attack the definition to be paid out would be that you would have to have these what's called troponin levels in your heart for a certain period of time to be paid out on a heart attack that's just so blooming complicated you know, i don't even know what you know, one of those oh, is providers will now pay out on your diagnosed with a heart attack the doctor says yeah he's had a heart attack it'll pay out and that's what you want you just want clarity like you said life insurance is pretty self-explanatory you're dead it pays out that's it isn't it there's no real thing like that but yes yeah, critical illness cover can be a bit more complicated but i think you've just got to look at the the main main ones cancers it's going to be funny enough the, the sort of stats the, the 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 first the biggest payout is like probably cancer you know, one in the stats are now one in two of us are getting it. A lot more are surviving it. Um, and again, all the providers have gone down the route of pretty much most of them. If you're diagnosed with a cancer, it will pay out. You know, if it's if it's not benign, it'll it'll pay out sort of thing. And that's what you want. You just want clarity. And life insurance is good, but you're probably more likely to claim on a critical illness than you are on a life insurance. To be honest, because the stats of you dying, certainly young, are not that high but certainly getting some sort sort of cancer or people in the 30s having a heart attack it'll pay out so what you want you want someone to have a little bit of everything really um, and then that moves on to the sort of income protection which probably the out of the three that's the last one people talk about certainly brokers they won't talk about it because again they think it's complicated it's not it's probably the most simple out of the three um, if you can't work if you can't do your job for a period of time you will be paid an income to replace some of your income and it's as simple as that really and and they've, again they've, they've pulled back on that where now the there used to be a few occupation classes so it could sort of say if you you can't do you can do a job we're not going to pay out now they're mostly if you can't do your own occupation due to sickness it will pay out so it's simplified it um, and you can choose up to 65 percent of your salary generally a couple, couple different sides of that um, you want to bit with a client. You want to build all that in because the one they're going to claim on most likely is income protection because they're going to have about a sickness. But the average income protection payout is seven years, so that's the average. 
so you can do different things you can have like a two-year payout or you can like my own personal one pays out till i'm 65 so if i'm ill tomorrow i will get x amount till i'm 65 um i've got a client who's he's 51 and sort of three or four years ago he was diagnosed with parkinson's so is his paying out at the moment um it's going to probably pay out 400 grand by the time he's reaches sort of retirement but it's been vital for him because it's kept kept him going sort of thing these are and the amount of cover presumably will affect how much you're paying. Yeah, but people it. people are possibly sitting there going, well, can I afford those sorts of things? That's a myth. Yeah. Uh, well, give, it, give us an idea of, and I appreciate that's a bit of a, yeah, hour, let, a piece take, of string, but just take an average policy. Well, well, I'll tell you what, let's take a sort of, a sort of typical first time buy. I think I could get, you know, a couple buying a property, you know, average sort of property in Liverpool, um, which would be say 150 grand something like that um, we could cover the mortgage if they died um, mortgage if they died would be paid out um, then we do a little life and critical illness policy maybe which might cover 50 grand or 30 to 40 50 grand um, and an income protection maybe with because if you get paid for 6 months in work or 12 months if you say in the NHS do a 12 month deferred so it doesn't pay out for 12 months, but then pays, say, £1,000 a month for two years. About 40, 45 quid a month. For um, all of that? For all of that, really. Yeah, and it just depends who you are and what you're like. That, that's, that's quite broad ranging. It could, it's down to age, it's down to medical history and all that. But honestly, you know, people are spending £60, £70 a month on car insurance because they want fully comp. Or Sky. Sky, 120 quid. Or any other TV service any, available, yeah. unless Sky wants to sponsor us, in yeah. which case, yeah. <laughs> yeah. let us know. Yeah, yeah that'd be quite good. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's part of the thing about actually looking through the bank statements, is looking at a budget and saying, well, hang on, you spend... And I, I've seen it where it's two pound, £4 a day on Starbucks every day, whatever that is, 60, 70 quid a month on coffee, but nothing on life insurance. So the protection side... It's, it's so much as big as the mortgage side and possibly even bigger because we can do protection on people without mortgages. I mean, so many people will protect the mortgage, but what about your credit card debt? What about your loans? Because if you die, there's still that your wife's still got to pay them or your husband's got to pay them. And again, it's not judging, is it? It's just educating people on being just, aware of this is what, the, what the options yeah. are. I mean, any client can say to me, I don't want it. Don't believe, don't, I don't believe I'm going to die. I can say, well, the one thing I can assure you, <laughs> I can't tell you about interest rates. Death and taxes. I can tell you, you're going to die. Um, so, you know, yeah, it, I, I think my, my thing is as long as I talk to people about it, promote it, I'm doing my job properly. I have a professional responsibility to the people that are sitting in front of to tell them what they can have. Provide them with some details. If they come back and say they can't afford it or they want to go on the internet, that's fine. As long as I can note that down, when I get the oh shit call, I can say, well, if you remember... I don't like to do it with a sort of like smile on my face, I told you so. I'd like to hope I've done enough for people that I will be able to go, listen, there is just something there, let's get a claim and let's get it done. Because um, you're going to go through a hard time and, and I can't solve anything. You know, nothing's ever enough. A million pound wouldn't be enough for someone with cancer. But, but it might just make it, it a might just make it a little bit easier. But then you look at, you talked about the, the, the race on benefits. Some of the benefits are just unbelievable. I mean... Aviva have something called Best Doctors. That's free with any Aviva policy. So that means that if you're diagnosed with something um, and you go along, you get your NHS diagnosis, your notes can be sent to the best doctor in the world in that field. And, you know, a second opinion can be given. Now, that might be they come back and say, right, oh, well, we're pioneering this treatment in Germany and, you know, it's cost 20 grand. Now, if we've got a critical illness payout, that could pay for it or, you know, they've got to have something to pay for it but there have been instances and they'll publish that where people have been saved they've been told nothing we can do palliative care and they're still alive today so these benefits and there's all sorts of things like um, nurse you know they can ring a nurse up they, these providers are experts in medical things because what they're doing every day with every claim they get or every bit they get they're, they're getting stats and their their policies are provided around those stats and they know everything about what's happening. So th th there's a massive myth that the, the providers don't want to pay out. They're just in it to make money. But life insurance, insurance in general, has been around a lot long before mortgages. Was well, the reality is, 
Um, it's not a case of will they pay out if they come and see someone like you. You can make sure that they will yeah. pay out. Cause yeah. You answer the questions properly. You make sure the job. Because I know that people go on the internet or how many pints of beer do you drink in a yeah, week? Two, how many yeah, of us have gone? Yeah, yeah, yeah just just yeah. a half. Yeah, I can every wait. Now and again. You know, watch. I can wait. I'm, you know, you're a little bit short for your <laughs> for your weight sort of thing. But no, you, we we say you've got to answer it. Prefer, you know, answer it properly. Do it properly. Get all that right. Because when a claim comes, it's done. Because so many people out there will say, well, yeah, I don't I don't really smoke that much, so I won't put it but you you know when you're lying on the slab and they do an autopsy and they, well he is a smoker Aviva ain't going to pay out no and what a waste of money yeah you know what I mean it's got to be done properly it's got to be done by an advisor that's the thing you know, you, like with the mortgages and everything you do everything over the internet but why would you want to do it okay. you know you've got to be done professionally by someone who'll sit down with you and go through the the stuff and 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 then take responsibility for that. So that's what we do. So if you if you're an individual and you'd perhaps like to have some some advice from you, what sort of region do you cover? I'll I'll, I'll cover anywhere. Obviously, I can provide I can provide advice by Skype. I can provide it over the phone. I can travel. You know, I've a couple of clients down in London, so I can go down to London, um, Manchester, everywhere. Okay. I've got clients all over. I've got one in Scotland at the moment that we're dealing with. Uh, buying a ha- lovely house up there. We just moved a client down to Devon. Fantastic, Ilfracoon Beach. So I'm making a visit down there very shortly. He's asked me to go down, so I'll be going. So yeah, it doesn't matter really. It's, okay. anywhere. it's anywhere. And have you got uh, an email and a telephone number for those people? Yeah. So my uh, email is Dave at MyriadMortgages.co.uk. Which How are you spelling is M Y R I A D MyriadMortgages.co.uk. And my mobile is oh seven eight oh six seven double two double oh five. Um, or if you want to ring the office, it's 0151 489 uh, Now that's individuals, yeah. but I know from personal experience, you pass quite a lot of business and do a lot of business with businesses yeah. and professions. Yeah. We've mentioned uh, solicitors who specialise in the likes of wills. Yes. You mentioned conveyancing solicitors as well. What are other types of businesses do you work really well with? Um, family lawyers, really. I've worked. I've worked. I do work with quite a few family lawyers, which again, B and I's helped me with that, um, getting connections. Because again, you know, a divorce is not a great situation for people, or could be a good situation for people, I suppose. But um, you know, again, the finances are probably the last thing that I talked about. Yeah, we're going to get divorced. Oh, by the way, yeah, we've got a house together and, and all that stuff. So they'll put referral into me and then whether it's going to court or they might need something, I'll, I'll deal with that, you know, with, with again, professional, the professional qualifications we've got, the court will take our sort of like, you know, um, advice on what they can do um, and that can help or hinder or whatever they want to do. But yeah, so there's a few family lawyers that we really work with that will send us over the client, we'll do a bit of a review and then we've got another client we can look after. Um, and our own clients really you know they'll, they'll ring up and say oh sorry but we're now getting divorced and you sort of you've got to sit them both down together in a room and go look you know i'm not a marriage counselor but let's sort this bit out because it's not going to be you know it's not going to be easy but we've got to talk about it and, mm. and you know but again again just a passion for clients you don't want to see that happen to it, but reality it does and do you do reviews as well so property yeah. developers property owners yeah well yeah we'll we obviously do quite a lot of buy to let mortgages and portfolio clients which again over the last couple of years has become hard for them you feel a real feel for landlords at the moment they're being hammered from the tax point of view so we'll refer a hell of a lot through to accountants and certainly our accountants in BNI because um, they just need some advice on it because again these rules come out and then no one knows about them um, so yeah landlords We'll help them build portfolios, change it round. Reviews are so important because that's when they are really a client, you know, whether it be on the residential side or portfolio. We've uh, got quite a lot of what I call accidental landlords, you know, sort of six, seven years ago, you're going around, I can't sell my house. Or I'm going to, oh, why don't you rent it out and we'll borrow some out of it. And they've become a landlord and you've helped them along the way. And then they've gone, oh, I like this, I'll buy another one. So, you know, that. Yeah, it's just, it's all again about just, there's not, you know, there's no, we don't make any charge for going sitting with a client. We do a point, we've got our little office in Morton Village where we can do appointments, we've got a boardroom there, but generally a lot of my appointments are out with people's homes or businesses where, yeah, put some time in the diary, I'm free anytime, you know, 
um, sometimes sat on someone's sofa at 10 o'clock at night. Do they know that? Have they agreed to that? Can no, just probably not, no. I got there at six, <laughs> but I, I can talk a bit, so um, and generally not about mortgages because that's boring, you know, but I'm just interested in people, so I will go around and, yeah, let's let's have a look at stuff for you, and that, that's what we do, so I'll offer that, that, that's the other advantage, we offer that service, where whatever time you want to do, you know, or if you're working all week and it's a weekend, I'm flexible. We'll come and have a look, and then what we'll do, we'll take that stuff away that we learned from about the client, and then we'll research it really. And I like to think we're a bit like a lab, you know, we're designing. How can we do this? How do we do it? You know, you, I've had clients over the how the bloomin' hell did you do that? I never thought I'd get that. Those really are, I mean, I've just been dealing with a client the last couple of weeks, and he's given us a great review. I've known him for 10 years, maybe. I met him in the estate agent. He was buying his little property, little buy-to-let property. Um, went around and seen him. He's since got divorced. He's got another wife, another baby. He's bought two buy-to-lets. He's sold one. He's now bought another house. We're just remortgaging this buy-to-let to get his ex-wife off that one because she gave that to him. It's just so complicated. But, you know, and then you get a message from him, you know, thanks, Dave, for all you're doing. You know, you've always been there type thing. And, yeah, we, we, we actually send, through our network, we send out a questionnaire that comes back and we don't know they're going and he gave us a great review on there and just said you know he's always there when I need him and that, that's just so so important you know because I, I know I could ring him up and say Steve I'm, I'm, I'm in Haydock can I come and see you and he'd go yeah yeah come in for a cup of tea and we wouldn't talk about mortgages but we might just have a chat and but he appreciates what you do mm. and, and I think there's a lot of people out there who don't go and look after their own you know, the, it's the diamonds under your feet that are there aren't they you come, some people are just chasing new business all the time. It, it's under your feet, it's in your business. Hmm. It's people that you know, it's those people that just, and they're happy for you to just look after them. I diarise all my reviews. I, try, I want to get to see a client six months before the end of their mortgage rate. Um, and that's not just to review the mortgage, but to review everything else. Because we've talked about the protection side. That just, just doesn't sit there in the drawer. It needs to be got out and have a look at and Okay, so you've had you've had another child. Let's bump that up. Let's let's do a bit. Or this this provider's brought this out now. I say they are competing on benefits, so this one's actually better now. So let's change it and move it. You know, and there's no there's no cost for doing that. Mm. But we don't do it out of just doing it for doing its sake. It's got to be the right advice. I have to stand by the advice that I give to a client. Um, and then you know you then move on to a whole other arena, what you'd call like. I like to treat every client as a vulnerable client, but then older clients, where again they're op- they're a bit desperate and they're open to things. You know, you, you've got to be really educating people. Okay. So, well, we could talk about this forever, oh, but okay. people have got stuff Might to still do. Might still be ten o'clock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that that was fascinating, David. Good. I genuinely do appreciate it. What we'll do is uh, we'll make sure that your contact information is in the show notes. Yeah. Um, if you would like to actually meet Dave in person, obviously you've got his contact information. You could also possibly come down to visit us at yeah, B&I come, Genesis. Come see us. We meet every Friday morning at Trammy Rovers Football Ground. It's, um, let me get this right because that would be embarrassing, 10 o'clock till half 12 if you allow for the uh, sort of the meeting, coffees at the beginning and a bite of lunch yeah. afterwards. If you visit him, www.bnigenesis.com you can log your place just to let us know whether you're coming or not so that we can make sure that we're all ready for you really appreciate your time mate first one down apologies I should say apologies for that weird noise in the background it's a beer fridge which I don't think we'll be in this room next time because thanks Mark cheers done check out all our shows exclusively on the podstation.co.uk Support the station by visiting patreon.com forward slash the pod station and receive exclusive membership benefits and promotions.